0: are we doing this really wait for it are we doing this wait for it wow what the fuck w-t-f. and it's also eh, what the fuck what's wrong with me it's time for wtf what the fuck
1: with mark Maron.
0: all right let's do this how are you what the fuckers what the fuck buddies what the fuck nicks what the fucking ears what the fucking nations you people there in phoenix arizona who came out to see me the other night at Stand Up Live. Fucking great time. I appreciate you coming out. By the way, I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. On the show today, Rachel Harris from The Hangover and also from, uh, from her new film, which sounds really interesting, but I didn't get a screener. I was honest with her. I told her that. Uh, it's called Natural Selection. It's going to be premiering in Los Angeles on the 18th of this month at the New Art. And uh, I've always been fascinated with Rachel Harris, and I'm thrilled to talk to her. Phoenix was awesome. It's a weird city. I have a history in that city. As some of you know, my uh, my brother lives there. My first wife lives there. A lot of weird memories over there. And uh, every time I go back, it's it always uh, is a little odd. But I never stayed downtown before, and I'd never been to a downtown area. Literally, I got in on the Wednesday night, and it's it almost seemed like an abandoned city from the future, like some horrible radiation event happened a neutron bomb something but literally there was nobody on the streets and it was completely empty and there's a, a small train that runs through there and some weird sculptures and i was just again having that moment where i'm looking out over what seemed like an abandoned city thinking i'm the only one left it's on me i i'm the only hope that the entire planet has to continue the species where where do i start uh, but then it turns out it's just very hot there, and uh, downtown, not unlike many cities, is just a little empty at night. But I did, uh, I did, I was able to uh, to hang out a bit. By coincidence, a uh, the women, the people who live next to my grandma Goldie in Pompton Lakes, New Jersey, which by the way is Passaic County. I've been corrected by one of these people. I saw Tracy, the the family that lived next door. Uh, one of their grandkids. Was uh, graduating from uh, t- uh, University of uh, Arizona, I guess it is, and they were all out there, and I'd not seen all of these people in years, and I knew them when I was a little kid, and the girl who lived next door, Jody, she actually changed my diapers when I was one years old, and it's just so weird that to see people that you grew up with, I mean, it's very young, and you sort of. All that memory comes back to you. These people were essentially a portal into my past. And they, they had a swimming pool. We always swam in the swimming pool. We always hung out. As I told you before on the podcast, uh, the the son of this family, Carrie, he had this bedroom that made a profound impact on my life. No, it wasn't anything like that. He, it was just the early 70s and even the late 60s. And he just had this room covered in posters and books and all kinds of trippy ass shit frank zappa posters you know it was just wild classic you know late 60s man cave hippie man cave and i really think that my entire life i've been trying to construct reconstruct that room it was the first time where i saw the lobby card for the movie freaks and as a young child that blew my mind it just blew my mind the bearded lady uh the the pinheads the uh the the uh, the guy with no legs Oh, my God, it, it permanently scarred my mind and, and, and sent me off on an obsession with uh, human anomaly that that lasts till this day. It, j- there's nothing more jarring than looking at the lobby card for freaks. And that was the first place I saw it. But it was great seeing them and sort of taking a trip down memory lane. Jody, the one who told me that she changed my diapers, I was the first diaper she changed. She also told me something about my grandpa, Jack, that I did not know. I knew my grandpa Jack used to lay on that couch and sit in that chair and just watch television for hours. He would watch every sporting event on television. It didn't matter what it was, basketball, hockey, baseball, football, curling. It didn't matter. Jack loved sports and I didn't gravitate towards sports and I always felt like this uh, amazing disappointment to my, uh, my grandfather. And Jody apparently used to hang out at the house and sit with my grandfather and watch these sports shows. These games, it was sports shows, What the hell is that? Uh, and that's where she learned about sports, but she divulged something that I didn't know. She said he he would uh, watch these sports and he had two different phones. He'd watch it on two different televisions sometimes, and his bookies would call. And I had no idea, and maybe this was before I was really born that he was betting on games and it just gave me this whole new uh, outlook on my grandfather. I mean, maybe it's uh, I, I love the fact that he was this uh, you know, sports better. And also, I think that maybe it's, uh, maybe it's better off I didn't, uh, I didn't watch sports or get into it with him. Maybe I would have been a compulsive gambler instead of just uh, you know, an alcoholic and recovering drug addict. I would have had to add that to the pile. I knew he played poker with a bunch of guys. I remember the guys, but maybe I dodged a bullet on that one. But the shows were great. I really, I really appreciate you coming out. Uh, it's a great club, uh, Stand Up Live. i definitely go back out there again. It was during finals week, but we still did all right. A lot of WTFers came out, and we had a great time. It was, it was actually a, a, a good set for me. I, I think I did like an hour and a half, and I improvised a lot, and that always helps me out, uh, gets me some new shit. I believe I'm doing Conan O'Brien this week as well on Tuesday. You know, I've done a few things in the last couple of days that, that I never thought I would do. I bought a Vitamix blender. I was researching it yesterday morning. I thought we need this. Jessica wanted something that blended better because she's a veggie and she makes a lot of veggie dishes that require some intense blending, I guess. I had an old crappy blender. So I'm looking at prices of Vitamixes. I'm thinking, like, this is a hell of a commitment. But I've been looking at these things for years because people are like, they're amazing. They'll purify everything. It's the perfect kind of juicer because you don't lose anything. All the great fiber is still there and you can make soup with it with friction. What a selling point that is. You can make soup with friction. So I'm looking at these things yesterday, and I'm like, all right, well, maybe we'll get one. Then I go to Whole Foods, and they had one of those pitch people there, this old woman. Well, not old. She was in her 60s. She was doing the whole uh, step right up shit. I got a Vitamix. I got my first Vitamix 20 years ago, and I still have it. And she holds up this old sort of almost looked like a, it was a metal blender with a spigot on it. Like, I love it. And I'm wondering, is this a racket? Do they give you all a 20-year-old Vitamix to hold up? And then she was making the stuff, and I just thought it was kismet. I thought it was serendipitous. And then I thought, I'm buying a Vitamix today. I'm putting that on my credit card. I don't care what happens. I don't care whether I can afford it or not. I don't care that I'm spending $450 on a fucking blender. So needless to say, I've been making a lot of smoothies, almost on the hour uh, since I purchased it. So we've we've gone through probably seven smoothies in 24 hours because it's good times. There's, there's nothing like blending the shit out of things. And then I've got this morose sort of vision in my head like, wow, you know, you could use this for anything. It'll blend anything. It's basically a, a blender blade and a container hooked up to a jet engine. That's the, the principle. So it'll just it'll just turn anything into pulp, into mush, into liquid. And then I got you know, I, my girlfriend watches too many murder shows, and then I started thinking about disposing of bodies. You know, because I did get a Ginsu knife with this. That was part of the deal. You get a couple of cutting board things, plastic, some spatulas, some cookbooks, and this Ginsu knife business that'll cut through anything. So I thought if you were patient and a complete, you know, conscienceless sociopath, yeah, you could dispose of a body pretty easy just by making it a smoothie. Take some time, just Ginsu knife it, and then uh, just, you know, piece by piece, make it a smoothie and go out there and, uh, you know, maybe fertilize your plants with it. At least, yeah, you know, it's there's nothing wrong with being a green uh, serial murderer. I wonder if that's an angle. That'd be interesting. Is that Dexter? I never watched Dexter. Is he a green serial? What's the angle on that? People who kill people specifically to 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 help the environment. Is that a stretch? But today was a uh, sort of wild because today was uh, the we went on a quest for jackfruit. Do you know anything about jackfruit? I did not. But Jessica needed something. She needed jackfruit for a recipe, so we went looking for jackfruit. I had no point of reference for jackfruit, but uh, she found out you got to get it in an Asian market. So then we go to India. The uh, India sweets and spices on Los Feliz Boulevard in Atwater. Holy shit! I love Indian food. I like Indian culture. I don't know much about it. I just find it fascinating. It smells good and it sounds interesting. It's I it's I don't. It's no reason to build an opinion on a culture, but it's enough. So whenever I go to this place, we've been there before, but you just don't realize it. Usually, I go for the buffet. They got a great uh, Indian buffet, but this. It just dawned on me when I walked in there, Indian stores are fucking outrageous because they're basically a food store, a drug store, a religious gear store. Uh, They've got clothing. They got hardware. You can get DVDs there. Uh, They have uh, like perfumes. There were two women sitting there. They they have perfume bottles that just say luck, money, uh, well, you know not sick just you know, the sense you put on that is supposed to bring you this stuff like you just put on a let me just put on this smell this this smells like melon i think i'm going to win the lottery but they i'm i'm walking out we find jackfruit in cans and uh and then when i got home i had to figure out what the hell jackfruit was cuz i'm probably going to be eating it but as i'm walking out i realize holy shit they've got indian musical instruments up on the top so you can get you know some some salve you can get some lotions you can get some vitamin pills you can get yourself some incense and maybe a ganesh perhaps uh you know get yourself some rice your favorite bollywood films and then uh you know if if you feel like it maybe you you pick up a sitar or a tabla is that what's called i should have got one i should have bought a fucking sitar But we got the jackfruit, and then I got home, and I'm like, shit, I better do a little research on jackfruit. And it turns out it's like this weird, fibrous uh, fruit, almost like a spiny, oval melon, but this stuff was pickled. But the, the the weird thing about it is, is I read that in Brazil it's a problem because it's an invasive species. They try to you know temper it because what happens is in this national forest they had jackfruits in there. They planted them and the marmosets started eating these jackfruits and then they'd shit the seeds all over the place. So now the jackfruits are now like you know killing off some of the indigenous trees. And because of uh, because of all the marmosets who are eating the jackfruits and making more of them then uh, the birds are getting nailed. The marmosets are eating the birds. So on some level, whatever she's making, I'm saving trees, I'm saving birds, I'm saving the rainforest. Shit. I hope it's good. I should have I got a sitar. Do you do a lot of radio?
1: Um, I did... We just did like a big serious radio tour.
0: You did the junket? Mm-hmm. you stayed in one room or did you be where you no, walked I, I around ran,
1: i walked around in like new york yeah to like the different the hallways things. Mm-hmm.
0: okay now you're gonna going to be going in with joe and barbara right. it's uh
1: they're on cosmo radio
0: <laughs> yeah
1: and you're going to talk to somebody who talks about Cox with pete yeah and they talk about guy things yeah and you did
0: cocks with pete
1: i didn't do cocks with pete is that really you a know, show? I, i've listened to it
0: you, that's really a show
1: uh, that is a show. Cocktails. It's called Cocktails with Patrick.
0: Oh, I thought you. Oh, okay. And, and then they, they was always Cox go, "Yeah,
1: call me back at Cox with Pete." Oh,
0: really? Cox with Pat. But you didn't do that.
1: I didn't do that show. They weren't really interested in natural selection.
0: Yeah, that um, that looks like quite a movie. I don't know why I wasn't sent a screener so I could watch it.
1: Um, you're you not doing that. You didn't get a screener. I don't think so. Oh my god! Are you kidding?
0: <laughs> I think we can talk about it. We with... can
1: talk about it, but. But if you'd seen the movie, it'd be so much more I saw, impactful, just because it's. Um,
0: I saw an amazing trailer.
1: <laughs> what? No, I have, have other things. About...
0: I'm not. I have other things planned. Okay. What do you What do you think we're going to talk about? Natural selection <laughs> no,
1: no. for for no, you an don't... hour? No, that would be that would hurt my feelings. It would after a twenty. I can't. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Career?
0: Actually. We're done yeah. with natural selection. No no, no, no,
1: I don't even. I don't want to even talk about it. Like I, I just said. You know, it came out in New York and then it'll be, it'll be here in May. But, um, but I mean, they are mm-hmm.
0: saying that this is like, this is your, this is Rachel Harris's breakout role. Right. Now, how does that feel after 20 years? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously. <laughs> I
1: well, it's a break. it's a different, it's a different thing because I, because, um uh, because I cry in this one. And they're well, not, they're but, not, it's not joke crying.
0: No, but some of us who have watched you for years have just been dying <laughs> for that to happen. We're, we've just been sitting around like, going, oh, when is she just going to let this shit go? If only she could
1: just let it, yeah. Oh,
0: it's so hard. You could feel her. She, oh. She's just
1: stomping on her heart. There's just so much depth down there. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stuff. No, but that's the thing is I never intended to, but, you know, when I started out, I was I was not going to do comedy. I thought I was going to, I went to New York to do straight up, stage, theater, Medea, Night Mother, all that stuff. Like, but, that wasn't-
0: But that wait, wasn't, wait, let's go back. Okay. Because you're, I mean, I, I want to make sure everyone you know Comedy knows- Comedy just
1: happened to me. That happens to I a lot of people. I walked into it. No. But that
0: happens to a lot of people, though. <laughs> okay. Like, you, I mean, people, the big break really was the, the Daily Show first, right? I mean, that's yeah. when people really started I mean, the to big break you.
1: really was the Groundlings.
0: Right, when you, but I mean, what, was, what everyone would know you for. Because, right. like, you're one of those people that's sort of like, oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. This woman today, I was just getting <laughs> yeah. my hair I, I do not mean hair that as an insult. No, 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 no. I was just getting my hair done earlier today, and this woman walks up to me and she goes, oh, hi. And I was this close to saying hi. Yeah. Like, I know you recognize me. She goes, yeah. is your name Kathy? <laughs>
0: That's the worst. And I
1: said no, and she goes, "Cause you look so familiar. You look like me." And I didn't want to say, "Well, you know why I I'm look in, familiar? I'm in the movies because I'm in television and film." <laughs> like gross, gross. That's how many several, like, a couple of times. Like once on a plane when I was in, I didn't realize I was in the exit row, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they walked over, and she goes, "Are you?" And I was this close to saying I was on a television show at the time and I was like yes I'm not." and she goes are you old enough are you over 18 and I was like first I didn't know whether to be pissed that she didn't recognize me for TV or yeah. like so grateful yeah. that she didn't know if I was over 18
0: <laughs> it's a weird moment
1: Well, it's weird is when a family comes up to me and their daughter's like, "Mm," or their son's maybe like 14, 15 or something. And they go, we know you. We loved you. And I'm thinking Diary of a Wimpy Kid. And they go, the hangover. And I always, I, I can't help it, but I do judge them. Like when they have young ones. When I go, you he let him to- watch the Hangover.
0: Well, let me ask you about that because, like, that's a movie that it's a hugely popular movie, and you played Ed Helms's wife or fiance, Fian- right?
1: Yeah. Fian- uh, well, it was actually his girlfriend. Right. He was thinking about
0: the insanely cold, bitchy, um, bordering on evil girlfriend. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Now and then uh, the other women in that movie, one was a hooker,
1: of course, and, yeah. and and then one's a hooker, one's a bitch, and one's absolutely fucking clueless and beautiful and beautiful. Now, on some level, didn't
0: you think uh, I- I- at any point before that movie opened that that women were going to hate that movie?
1: Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I didn't think that way. You know what? I really didn't think that way until that they didn't. Yeah. Well, my friends, like well, Kathy and Jimmy, my she was the only one who said, "Huh, interesting movie. What it says about women? Mm-hmm. Hooker, bitch," and and I was like, "Wow, I am really not paying attention." Well, because I, I coming from comedy and being with like the boys and what's right. funny, you know, like that's what I was. I right. just wanted to be funny. It's boy funny. Yeah, it's all but, boy but, funny. But I, was, but I think it's. I, I. I mean, I thought it was female funny too. No, I think so but because not I think funny that, in the way bridesmaids.
0: Right. That that it was like less in, was less more, empowering person.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. It's not like <laughs> bridesmaids was so crazy empowering. I just thought it was, but it just was made. You know. There was more from two women wrote it. It was more from a female point of view and something that they would struggle with and still held up, I think, just as well as
0: what was. I think it was empowering in the sense that that it was women acting like we hadn't seen women act. Mm hmm. In movies.
1: Right. I mean, how often have you seen Melissa McCarthy taking a, a dump in a sink? Yeah, no. <laughs> yes. I
0: mean, and I could... Uh, I'd like to see more of that. And, I, I and need...
1: honestly, no one could do it better than her.
0: No, I don't think so.
1: Like, just the real the real reaction.
0: I, how would you have handled that part? Would you be looked at
1: that script? Thomas I would shit have in the sink? Well, you know, I... Did you read for For me, it? I just love it. No, I didn't. I didn't. Um, I would have loved to have been in it. Are you kidding me? hmm Oh, my God. I would have loved to have been in it. But I think looking at everyone that that was in it made perfect sense Wendy you like a bunch of us are from the groundlings wendy mclennan covey melissa mccarthy um and all of like it was fun to see like all the little parts with groundlings that are still like in the groundlings and stuff like one of the guys that was the valet was like holding the puppy like he was the one that said well, like when they leave and they're giving away puppies as favors i remember just looking at it, it's david hoffman and going oh my god even David Hoffman just standing there with a the puppy is funny. You know, like some people are just funny,
0: funny. and I—I oh, yeah.
1: I, I mean, like, so that was fun. But, but I think all the women that were in that, as far as groundlings go, they were so perfect for that. Like Maya was so perfect to play. She's
0: a groundling. Yeah, I think we. Then maybe we should talk about that. But I want to go back to where you okay. know where the dream starts.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, where'd you come from? Ohio.
0: We, Ohio. Yeah,
1: Columbus, pe- Ohio.
0: People leave Ohio. Worthington.
1: Yes, they do. <laughs> yeah, they do. And they, it's hard to go back.
0: Yeah, I know. I've been my, to Columbus. i worked at a... There's a comedy club in Columbus. Oh,
1: yeah, there is. There's yep. a bunch of my friends have done...
0: Yeah. But I've been to Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, that's a, a city that's proud and sad. And yes. uh, they're trying to overcome the sadness. And Columbus, yeah. I don't really have a, a, a good recollection of it. But it's so American. So we're kind of Rust belty industrial. Yeah.
1: It's really... You know what? It's a great place I think for people to raise their kids if they want them to go to public school and have access to everything, like as far as the arts, like what, I mean, and obviously this is 20, 30, oh God, 30 some odd years ago, mm. but but we had everything, you know, like I learned to play the cello in third grade, you know, they gave me a cello. I walked out of the that school- That was your choice? With the cello. <laughs> that was my
0: choice. You, you said, okay, it's instrument time. Right. I'll and take it, the big one.
1: Yeah, it literally was as if they were, pre- <laughs> yeah. I know, being like yeah, the teen, the teensy the person. No, I loved the sound of it. Like yeah. I loved that it was so soothing. Do you still play? I don't.
0: How, when was the last time you played a cello?
1: Oh my god, I think it was in just before I went to college.
0: Yeah, so you, that was not part of the dream.
1: That wasn't. No, no, I loved it. Right, but that wasn't. No. But
0: you, you knew your limitations.
1: I. You know what? Yeah, I did not have. <laughs> oh my god, I did not have the skill set or the um, the, I didn't want to practice like that the only songs I practiced were like musical theater songs right and I knew them all and one time I won a jury and I won first chair and it was very scandalous in seventh grade because Becky Bunty was this like con- she's probably a concert like cellist mm-hmm. now to this day but I because I'm I didn't you know, I of course I loved all music and I loved listening, you know, doing the Bach and yeah, all that kind of stuff. And, yeah, but the thing that I really loved was we they gave us, um, we were doing the, the whole like overture to carousel, yeah, okay. And so that was a musical, and I mm. loved you know all of the musicals and everything. So I learned that that's the only thing I ever practiced because I would sing, I would sing with it like the melody, which was really fun, it. like to play, yeah. And so, um, so then I did it for the jury and then they said then they put the list up, uh, you know, for our seed assignments and I was first chair <laughs> and the Buntings, like Becky Bunty's parents, they had a meeting at the school and they were like, this is outrageous because Rachel's terrible. Like, I'm not, I wasn't as good as Becky, but then they played back, like they did play back all the tapes and they were like, she killed it on the Carefully. it's just it's, it's just, there
0: it's right there it's, on the record it's yeah. right there on tape
1: it's right there but it was really like I was shocked like I felt bad
0: and what happened between you and Becky after that we
1: were not close friends ever okay. I, to this day I haven't I, I should tell her like I'm so sorry I never intended to take you out of your well-deserved chair because you definitely were the better cello player why
0: don't you do that go home after this on I, Facebook my
1: god it's like part you know why not I should write it down what if
0: it, What if you find out that that day In steps that what? day changed her life for the worse that <laughs> That she was a gifted musician, but after that day, she yeah. broke her cello, got strung out on heroin, right? And for years, was right. lost to her family, and now is just getting her life together.
1: Well, then I would say You're... that was her path, and I am not God. <laughs> and thank God, I thank God, I am not her God, <laughs> and that she made that choice. I can't cure it. I didn't cause it, do and want, I certainly want, can't control it. Do
0: you want to apologize to Becky? Becky, now?
1: Becky, listen. I just want to say, Becky. You clearly were the better cello player. Mm. I got lucky Mm -hmm. and for whatever reason I was supposed to sit first chair and for whatever reason you were supposed to eat it.
0: Yeah. That's nice. And take it in. Yeah. That was nice. That came from your heart.
1: It did. I feel that. She was actually she's really, really talented, but she was intense. Like she was one of those people that really like that I would see and run away from.
0: All was it all about cello? Like that was her
1: life. Like And see and I was into like cheerleading you were a cheerleader? No, I didn't make it in seventh grade, and it really made me craze, craze, like, really? cra- yeah. Well, that's probably better. Which is embarrassing.
0: I think that might have something to do with your disposition.
1: Hmm. Hmm.
0: Do you hate cheerleaders? I don't. Mm.
1: I don't. I just know what. What were you like that- in the thinking? Every- I was okay. Listen, I was a cheerleader in the eighth grade. I was chunky. I had. I mean, I did a really good job with my tryout because, again, it's like. I I wanted it so bad that I just had laser focus, and I
0: just like that cello thing. Exactly. So did you hurt some cheerleaders' feelings? I'm sure I did. Mm.
1: I'm sure I did. But I have a red birthmark, like a port wine stain birthmark, all up the backside of my right leg. Mm. So we wore bright yellow cheerleading uniforms yeah. with super white legs because we didn't have Tanner back then. No. We had QT,
0: right. QT
1: QT tanning. It was like by Coppertone, oh, and oh, it right. turned you just, orange.
0: You just like that makeup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. But
1: no, there was no makeup. So but a makeup, every other, lotion. Right, like, right. It was like a yeah. It's like a lotion. Right. And uh, and I was short and chunky, mm-hmm. and then I'll like almost. I love all albinos. Mm-hmm. I feel a kindred spirit with them. I am not one technically, but boy, I was fair skinned, and all of them were tall and tan and.
0: Are you trying to be polite about saying black or
1: no they weren't black? Okay. No, there's one there were two black girls in my <laughs> right. in my middle school uh-huh. in Ohio.
0: Yeah. Not cheerleaders. They were. They were two.
1: Anita Penn and Elise Saunders. Holy God. Hi girls. Hey. Because I know they listen to this.
0: Yeah, of course. I have a lot of uh, ex black cheerleaders who listen to this. <laughs> High school like it's a weird following. That's what I thought when so I was. I don't at know you. if they talk to each other, but it's weird. I get a lot of email. Yeah. I used to be a cheerleader and I'm black and yeah. I'm like, this is another one.
1: Another one. <laughs>
0: but okay so so there you were yeah with your birthmark where does that come in
1: (laughs) my birthmark
0: just trying too hard
1: trying too hard always trying too hard
0: well I think that's part of your comedic persona kinda isn't it yeah you tried too hard and then you just snapped
1: yeah I don't know (laughs) yeah I don't know if I ever did a full snap
0: almost in the hangover that was so fun but was that a real snap that was I mean you snapped in that kind of oh
1: I had a full blown yeah freak out right yeah, I've never done that to somebody like that, uh, but I've- In real life? No, but I've witnessed it. Like, I've witnessed people losing it like that crazily.
0: Who? Like, what does that mean you <laughs> witnessed to it? What <laughs> my mom.
1: <laughs> my mom had a slight At rage you? problem when Did we she? were little. Yes. Oh my God. Slight rage problem.
0: Like uncontrollable? Things.
1: Not uncontrollable, just like an earthquake. You never knew when it was coming.
0: But, where, where but things... to this
1: day, I think actually it was probably hormonal.
0: Right. So you're going to let her off the hook.
1: Yeah. That's well, we've idea. done lots of talking
0: about it, trust me. Well, what kind of family did you grow up in? Like a I grew up, married family?
1: Um, okay, this is the deal. My parents divorced when I was two. My dad moved away to uh like well, he moved on. Like he just my my dad was married a few times. Right.
0: He just moved on like you like that was an old
1: family. That was it wasn't an old family. I saw him once a year until I was in college. And that's when I started having a relationship with him because I was starting to kind of come to. Right. Like I was like, Oh, I better know this man.
0: Yeah, or I'm going to
1: be kind of crazy.
0: Yeah, I got to (laughs) see. Really, you were aware of that? Yes, I was. What were? What? How does that manifest itself? Because everybody talks about like daddy issues and Mm -hmm. like, and I've you know I've dated women who I say have daddy issues, but they actually say, "I better get to know this guy or else what?" Yeah.
1: My big fear always was I'm going to go crazy if I don't know him. Like it's like oh,
0: just because like I, I out of curiosity.
1: Yeah, well, and then also like I think that my development. Just for me as a person, I was like, I think if I don't get to know him or deal with this now, it will come back The abandonment issue. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and also, um, because I, you see, so, so, okay, so my dad moved away, but he always kept contact with us. And what was great is that when I did go to college and I moved to New York, he got to kind of come in and be there. Do you live there? In a way, he didn't live in New York, but he lived in Alabama at the time. So um, you
0: mean he got to be involved because your mother wasn't going to be an obstacle or? No,
1: my mother wasn't. He just, I think because, yeah. Well, I think because I wasn't living at home. Right. And because I was in, in college and especially when I moved to New York. Right. I think he had, I think it was easier for my dad to deal with me as an adult than it was as a child. And, uh, you know, unfortunately my brother and sister didn't have that. Um, they never got to really have that relationship with him that he's, I did. He's gone now? He, Yeah, he passed in 2006. Uh-huh. And I I was so, so glad that, you, uh, that I'd had that that relationship And you got with him. to
0: know him as a dude.
1: Yeah, and I also got to know him as an imperfect person mm. and be okay with it. You know what I mean? Because our parents, we all, we've often put on a pedestal and right. don't so, want, and want them to be infallible. And I got to kind of deal with him.
0: Outside of just being angry that he left, you got to right. sort of assess.
1: And look at why. Right. And look at... Um, and, and deal he with like... He told you why
0: or you just had to put it together? Oh, no,
1: no. He told me why. I mean, they, they got a divorce because they just had a really combative relationship. It was, you know, not Dangerous. good. My dad, yeah. yeah, a little bit. And then my um, my mom remarried when I was four to my stepdad who is my dad. Um, good guy? Oh, really good guy. That's lucky. I'm. You know, it's like only now do I realize how lucky I was that my mom... Married such a great guy, and we talk about it a lot. My you and your my mom. my mom and my dad, yeah. and I, and my my older brother and my older sister, and my two step brothers and my stepsister. Like there's when my mom remarried my dad, there were three of us, and three he had three kids, and my mom had three kids, so it was literally like the Brady Bunch. We were living the Brady Bunch, oh but my it was God. nothing like the Brady Bunch.
0: No, no, it wasn't fun.
1: No, well, it was really fun actually. With no the was enclosure
0: kids... at the end of each twenty two minutes. <laughs>
1: No, there wasn't. <laughs> there was craziness, though, because my dad, his ex-wife was a Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. Oh, if for all of you out there, Mark's eyebrows just went up two so feet what off Did of she his face. come to the
0: house once a week with a few other people? She and didn't. Some, no, uh, I never
1: really met lighthouse her. White House magazines? No, I never met her. He just would go drive up to Bucyrus and pick them up, and then they would come every other weekend. And for so, me, I was like, this is awesome that they're coming every other right. weekend. Because we got to play and we got to hang out. and
0: but how did that religion affect the kids? Like, Isn't that the, one of those restrictive?
1: Yeah. The, the, the big place that it came into play um, was that, and which caused my dad, my stepdad, and my mom so much guilt and grief was that they could not celebrate Christmas or birthdays. And so we would celebrate our birthdays when the kids weren't around. And then we would still give them a gift, though. When like, they'd come over, yeah, but we just couldn't say it was for their birthday, and then for and you, Christmas, and, and they
0: couldn't take it back to their mothers.
1: <laughs> they could, like I think she knew, but as long as we didn't, like, uh, like we just couldn't do it. So, you know, and one of my stepbrothers is still Jehovah's Witness, and you know, for him, you know, my philosophy is always like whatever works, yeah, whatever works for you. Just don't
0: annoy me too much,
1: right? And he doesn't, he doesn't do it at all. And um,
0: you were brought up with no
1: God. I was, I was brought up with no um, religion. That's, I mean, when I was in eighth grade, I wanted to go to. Um, I remember my friends all went to this Presbyterian church. Yeah. And my friend's dad was like this really nice, normal guy who yeah. was a minister there. But he was funny. Yeah. Like he was funny and nice. Sure. And Some of them are infallible. Good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like so, I mean, inf- and fallible, right. I should say. Like he was big on, well, you know whoop messed up here yeah oh well and i thought that was so attractive yeah you know like really and so i said to my mom i want to go to this church and we started going and it was great i mean there would be sermons that i would literally check out and never not understand a thing that he was talking about
0: you sort of had a crush on this guy i think
1: well there was there were there was two there's mr ferguson and, and then um mr johnston and they were they were both yeah they were kind of like you know great dad figures yeah for me well, that I were like appropriate it. people they that's were like appropriate men in my life and my stepdad was crazy appropriate you know like i never i hear i can i couldn't as a kid imagine your stepdad doing something weird to you i mean like i was always aware that my stepdad wasn't my dad and wasn't my family so it's like you the way that you carry yourself in a house when you yeah. live with men that aren't your brothers like your brother like aren't family necessarily right. i think you are aware of how you what clothes you're wearing is that true but it wasn't out of fear
0: not fear but just that like it's not your dad
1: right but i think as it i think that i honestly think that was just totally natural but it did not come out of a place of he's looking at me or like my brothers right my stepbrothers you know
0: it was all you, you were just being appropriate
1: just inappropriate he was
0: doesn't mean he was being inappropriate
1: but I mean yeah and he was like even when I was five or six though he you know I think that transition was much easier for me than it was for my sister and brother like I really adapted to him being my dad you know And and they
0: never did and they were a little older than you
1: and they they did oh they did for sure my my older brother and older sister Jack and Julie um they they are my sister it was hardest for who is seven years older than I am yeah and, and it was really tough for her. But she had a pretty deep
0: relationship with your with my real dad. Real dad yeah. 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 See, I always find, like, I always wonder about that in terms of father figures and stuff because my father was relatively absent but charismatic. Mm-hmm. But when you don't have a, an attentive, emotionally attentive father, yeah. or I would imagine that if you were conscious that it's not your real father, mm-hmm. that there's always that part of you that is kind of half looking for that type of figure.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and, and
0: I mean I've definitely sure. felt that for myself, and I think that happens a lot with women in, in terms of what daddy issues are.
1: Heck yes, you have to be really careful not to make the person that you're with your sole emotional. I got to tell my
0: girlfriend that. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> See what you did. I uh,
1: did. Oh, my God. And that was for free. What you, would
0: what'd your old man do? The original one?
1: The original one? The original, I love that. The original dad, my biological father. Um, he was a software engineer for the United States government. He designed missile systems. And he, he did the Patriot Project. He was a big, big Republican. Wow. Well, you Both, have, all I, my parents are Republican. But I don't remember politics. I don't ever any, remember anybody talking about politics until I was older. You know, I mean, I remember thinking, <laughs> I remember one time my mom asking, me, she told me a story that when I was in school, they said, which president do you like? And this is like later, I think like Carter was president. And I was like, I always liked Nixon. And my mother's like, oh, she's like, we all gasped. But there was something about, you know, if you know he was very, he was a good speaker.
0: Who, Nixon? Yeah. But how old were you? when you, I mean, I remember Nixon. I'm sure I just said some name. You know sure, what I mean? It was catchy. It had an X in it. Yeah. Nixon.
1: Yeah, but I, you know, and I remember being in love with Jimmy Carter, like, just thinking he was, like, the best, and...
0: It was that daddy thing again.
1: Yeah, Ronald Reagan wasn't... I didn't like him so much. Interesting. He's an actor. Yeah. Huh. I think I would have been crazy about him. So, you grew Maybe up... Maybe Jimmy Carter had some latent, like, substance abuse problems, and that's why I was so attracted to oh, him. No, I think, I think
0: the theme is that he was very aware of... he was He had humility. That, yeah, Jimmy Carter. Right. Yeah. That, you know, he seemed like a- Yes, a, a, anyone who's really humble. Right, a flawed person that yes. can live with it.
1: Yes. That is exactly the person that I'm the most attracted to. Yeah. Are people that like are like, man, like usually people in recovery.
0: Yeah, sure. You know,
1: that are like, this is my deal.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm through, not perfect. I've been I'm going to make shit. mistakes. I'm, tr- I'm trying the best I can. Right, and
1: I'm so empathetic to that. And I think it's because my dad-
0: is he in recovery?
1: My dad's not in recovery, but my—I mean, my my real father was father. very misunderstood, mm-hmm. and I felt like he never got a break um, with my, like my—he was always the bad guy, right? You know, with my mother and my stepdad, and rightly so. Right? Like I understand why, but but as I got older, I was like, well, people aren't all bad.
0: Well, how many alcoholics did you have to date to? Oh my god,
1: <laughs> dating. <laughs> Are you married? No, I'm I'm divorced.
0: Oh, really?
1: Yes, I'm Sorry. divorced. But my oh no no, it was like four. It'll be man, two thousand eight, May two thousand eight.
0: Mine was two thousand seven. I'm just barely over it.
1: Yeah, isn't it? It's... I, I hear
0: it takes half the amount of time you were with them. Okay, for it well to really... we
1: were we were together seven years total. We were married five.
0: Yeah, I was married three.
1: Oh wow, only three years.
0: But I was with her for eight. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah,
1: it's intense. <laughs>
0: Fucking the pr- awful.
1: I've told everybody, I'm like, never get divorced.
0: What What do you mean, never get divorced? Well,
1: I'm Why like, you work divorced? through it, work through it. I mean, I think. Oh, like,
0: I see what you're saying. So you're, you know you're I mean, like, don't but, throw the towel in. If yeah, it's but possible, I,
1: right? If it's possible, but for me, um, we went to counseling for a long time, and
0: like, like after the honeymoon, it, just, no,
1: we went. Honestly, Mark, we went before we got married, just to like, like th- we were like making sure, like, that I like. I talk to my people. He talked to his people. We come together. Talk to people together. And right from the beginning. We, yeah. Well, because he had he had some stuff that he had when he when he came in, and I had you know some stuff, and so. Which stuff? Well, for me, I've just I've been in Al-Anon because my stepdad was a recovering alcoholic. Yeah. Like that was my first. That's why I thought I knew you. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm 12 years sober.
1: Oh sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. I, literally, th- this is this is like a peace talk we're having.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like I could, there could be 50 great guys in the room. If yeah. there's one alcoholic, I'll yeah. find him and I will track him down and I will take him hostage. And, and fi- it's just, and, 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 fix and in him? the beginning, and, you'll fix him, no, no, no. Right? and in the beginning, I'll be like, he's such a normie. Yeah. Yeah. If there's one in the room, I will.
0: Cause your stepdad was alcoholic.
1: Well, my stepdad was, was recovering alcoholic. He got sober when I was in college and he's been sober ever since.
0: So you grew up with alcoholism. Oh
1: yeah. Yes, and so did my parents, both my parents. All of my parents grew up with it. My, my original dad, my stepdad, and my mother all steeped in it. My, my mother grew up in, an, in a home, in a Masonic home, because my aunt, she, my aunt, and my uncle were taken away from her, uh, from their parents because of neglect. And they were put in a Masonic home. And my mom stayed there from the time she was probably mm, five, six until she was 14. And her best friend's family took her in. And my aunt never was adopted or never went to a foster family. She was in the home. She went in the home, I think, around nine. Wow. And then she graduated high school living in the home. It was a sonic home. And to them, they're so grateful because they had clean beds. They had food. They had people.
0: But then there's all that abandonment stuff, right. too, though. Exactly. You got borderlines in your family.
1: We don't have any borderlines now. Huh. I know. Shocking. Uh, I yeah. I don't.
0: I barely understand that diagnosis. Yeah. I but don't I know f- it has something to do with abandonment. Yeah. 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 So your husband. Yeah. Alcoholic. Uh
1: no. Mm. Another another oh, another thing another thing that was but yeah equally yeah. as focused exactly <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And he was in he's you know, he was in recovery when I met him and worked a really good program and took care of himself and you know, and yeah. and and then over the years things happen. You know, people grow apart and got bad. It just it just was um you know, he's not here to talk about it. Yeah and we'll to tell to his side it. of the story. Yeah. Um but uh I will say that for me the hardest thing was knowing that it was for me, the right thing to do, it was, staying was awful. The thought of leaving was was hideous and awful, but the thought of staying was worse, What's, which uh, I would hate for him well, to hear, but I'm, he, you know, that, that's just hard, but he, uh, yeah.
0: Well, I, well, let's talk about this then, because there's some things about that disposition that you have that it, that I don't know is really understood by some people. That that a codependent or somebody who uh, thinks that they can fix somebody, yeah, or or they're you know intrinsically attracted to people that are
1: somewhat broken,
0: broken and, and don't have a lot of control, so they can sort of have that control.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That there's you can hit a bottom with that. Yeah. Like, I mean, that there is such thing as a codependent bottom. Yes. Oh, for sure. Which means, essentially, that you no longer- Are taking ha-
1: care of yourself. Right.
0: You And right. you're so
1: obsessed in what the other person is doing.
0: That you forego-
1: That you forego your own, like, basic things like brushing your teeth.
0: Right, but it can get bad. Like, you it can, can end really up, bad. like, getting in accidents and-, and, and Oh,
1: there. yeah. Usually, like, yeah. Usually, if you're obsessing- about your qualifier, we like to say.
0: Yeah, that would be the other person. Yeah, Yeah. the other
1: person. Then you, that's when I do have car accidents. Really? Or that's when I do, um, or anything. I mean, like because I'm I'm an obsessive personality anyway, so it's like if I'm obsessing about having to be somewhere at a certain time and I just get laser focused on it as opposed to like (sighs) taking a breath and going, okay, I don't need to be there, it's okay. It's like the perfect thing. Well, th- well this Again. is sort of
0: interesting because you know? you know, in in most of the roles that you play, mm-hmm. I think even as a correspondent on the Daily Show, that your comedic disposition is a barely in control control freak. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a control freak who's slowly losing control. Yes, which I find very attractive. <laughs>
1: That's good. I, yeah, everything about it is attractive. <laughs> It's so attractive. Yeah. Somebody desperately clinging to control. Nothing's yeah, it's, hotter.
0: It's it's amazing because you're just waiting for that break.
1: Yeah. When it's is a- that
0: going? When do the tears come? I know. So okay. So you grew up in this madness, but you were yeah. obviously, you know, you weren't hurting for money. There, it was good. You know, middle class. Well,
1: yeah. I like to say we grew up like I always say. I I watched so much TV growing up that I like base everything off of TV shows. Mm-hmm. Oh well, that it was like this. Like yeah. I always say, it was sort of like Roseanne. Okay. Where I grew up, like. John Goodman would be best friends with my dad. Like okay. those people came over to my house and played guitar, got drunk, mm-hmm. had the best Saturday nights right. with our neighbors. Right. Eating cheese and crackers with the women smoking and drinking Chardonnay. Like that was the best for me as a kid. Oh, that's Because they would just sit there and talk and sit around the table. I would just so, listen to them for hours. And
0: did you do musicals in, in high school? I
1: did. I did all the musicals in high school. And you I played did, cello, and you were a cheerleader. But you know, I stopped. How were your grades? Uh, not not good. That's good to hear. Yeah, no, my grades were not Because I, I, I
0: was starting to think you were perfect. No.
1: Oh, well, yeah. That's a, no. That's, you know what, that's the scariest thing to me. That, that's the scariest to anything, that's the scariest thing anybody can say to me. <laughs> is when they when they start to say, oh you my God. You seem to God. really have
0: your shit together. Yeah,
1: you're an angel. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. Like my head goes, I go, like I start to freak out. Like I'm not, I'm not. Let me tell you this, this, is Like I'm so, like that really, That sends a shiver down my spine when somebody says, "Wow, you've just got it all together." I'm like, no.
0: Why do you think they say that?
1: Well, I think because I don't know. I think because when you're someone who's cognizant of like working on themselves, you know, where you're like, I I need to work out. I need to eat right. I need to make calls, you know, to the people Mm -hmm. that I call, Mm -hmm. and then and then. And I get outside help and I, you know, like and I have a lot of support and I have amazing friends that I'm completely honest with, you know, the brutally honest, you know, friends that have said to me, I would still love you even if you killed someone and we would deal with it.
0: And then you say, "Well, I have something to tell you. <laughs> I have
1: something to tell you. <laughs> this isn't. This isn't a. This isn't a. This isn't a guitar. It's actually a shotgun.
0: And I need your help hiding some bodies. Yes.
1: Yeah. No. But that. You know, I. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. Maybe I just you give off an appearance be... of, like that. I'm have it all together. You know. I'm. I would never say I'm a disaster.
0: But isn't that the control? I have breaks? been
1: a disaster in the. Past.
0: the biggest sadness of the control freak is that you know inside they know that they're barely holding yes. on yeah. and that outside you know everyone's like wow she's really focused and really got it together Right, right. everything's clean here no
1: if anybody's really two together and I never see them lose it I don't trust them well, only you... until I see you totally fuck up and like like behave really badly like I, say I, something I... shitty to someone awful then I go Oh. oh then okay. like I breathe she's a sigh of relief okay, yeah. and I'm like okay Okay, they're normal to me.
0: I say I do a joke where I say I don't know uh, if someone loves me unless I can make them cry.
1: Oh my god! What? That's horrible. <laughs> you mean like make them cry like because they're sad because you've hurt them so bad?
0: Well, I mean like a lot of times when you're when you have uh, an angry disposition or even an right. alcoholic disposition. Yeah. Sam um,
1: like, always on the receipt. I'm the crier. That's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So okay. It's like, fuck you, you don't love me. No, if you good. cared about me, you would fucking understand what right. I'm saying.
1: And then I go, yes, I do, I do, Okay, I do. you do, you do. Right. I'm sorry, right. I'm sorry. And then, then then once you said you were sorry, then I'm like, oh, I'm in.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's open. Yeah. Yeah, locked in. And there mm-hmm. you go, and that's how it goes, round and round.
1: I, oh, it is, listen, I just want to say for people that are listening, too, that I love alcoholics. I know you They're do. They're my favorite people. Like, that's the thing is, I don't, I don't like that when people kind of, go oh i'm attracted to alcoholics i'm like yeah
0: yeah they're awesome that's where the fun is
1: it's fun people like everyone that's smoking yeah in the back yeah i don't smoke yeah but that's where i want to be
0: sure you grew up with it
1: i did (laughs) so it's like it's that thing where um
0: but did you have that thing also when you were a kid where you're like was there enough um drunken behavior in the house that you sort of knew like you felt like you i i have to take care of this i mean did you find that that's ser-
1: no you know my stepdad was really um he would he was the kind of the type of guy that would come home after work and drink a six pack of beer but i would never know he was drunk
0: right but like you he knew was, he was going to drink it
1: yeah but, but back then in the day sure. i was like well that's like a can of coke sure like i didn't really think because i didn't see horrible ramifications like right. his behavior didn't he didn't go like he didn't become mean. Mm-hmm. He might have done that with my mom, you know, like the way that he talked to her or right. whatever. But, but it was my mom who was the crazy person because of his drinking. She was the yeah reactor, right? You know, that was like picking up everything, and you know, and like sure he was numbing out, but she was feeling everything, you mm-hmm. know. And so we were like, man, mom's the crazy person when really interesting she wasn't. I mean,
0: she just had a lot on her plate and no way to deal with it. Yeah.
1: And for me then, the way it trickled down for me was, okay, I'm going to clean the house before any of them get home, make sure everything's in its perfect place. So mom
0: doesn't go crazy.
1: So mom doesn't come home and go, what the hell? Like, what the fuck are going, you know, why are these dishes in here? Yeah. Like, didn't I tell you to clean this up? Yeah. I work all day. What the, you know, so that's a little bit. That's
0: interesting. So the that your dad's qualifier, your stepdad's qualifier was your qualifier. Like you weren't, yeah. like his alcoholism didn't affect you directly. It no. affected you through your mom trying yeah. to deal with his shit. Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah, and I also think that, you know, they were people that did not, my mother didn't have parents. Right. She didn't know how to parent. Yeah, I mean, mine- she did a really great job. I mean, like, the fact that, the th- you know, the three of us aren't sitting on top of a rifle, like on top of a roof with a rifle. Yeah. Is amazing, you know, because, but, but then, you know, like,
0: well control freaks so at least there's discipline there.
1: Oh my god. If that's one thing I will say about myself, I am disciplined. I'm I'm doing a cleanse right now.
0: Really? Good for you. How's that working out? Oh my out? god.
1: <laughs> it's a ten day cleanse. And I was like, Oh, I'm gonna be really like accessible. Because you know when everything's like sort of like stripped down, you're like, You could say anything to me, Mark. I'm just I gonna am. let
0: it out. I, yeah. I'm just letting it go. Maybe you'll cry.
1: Yeah, and then we'll fall in love. <laughs>
0: That's exactly the You're show I need right now. Girlfriend. Yeah. Maybe we'll just, why don't you just hang out so she comes home so we can break it to her? <laughs> yeah, okay. Let's not rush into anything. We still got a little time. No,
1: no, no. But that's what happens, though, with alcoholics, too. It's that they're like, now more, now, got to start. We can, let's get married tomorrow. <laughs> let's move in tomorrow. Guess what? I've got a great place in Hawaii. Let's go next week. Yeah. And they get really excited. Yeah. And that's when I go, oh, now I go, oh, God, that's a bad sign. Like when somebody's too. When they're too yeah, into but but, too but, fast. Okay,
0: but, but let me ask you this. Uh, okay, 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 okay. So, okay, so you're doing the thing like, yeah, I can date normal people, and I can have a normal boring. relationship.
1: Absolutely boring. Right,
0: so you're doomed. I okay. mean, so you're going to play this fucking repression game right. out of, in the name of, of protecting yourself. No, but you just find
1: a- someone who is in recovery that's still, you know. Raw. A little bit raw. Uh-huh. No, but no, no, no. But that's you're still... a predator. You're no, a, no, no,
0: You're a newcomer predator. <laughs> oh that's what you are. How long's that guy been sober? No,
1: I, I just hang out six at open months? a meetings. Yeah,
0: six months, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> he's got enough under his belt where he's not too crazy for. He's not. No, no, no. I know the
1: one year rule. I know the one year rule. No, who, who
0: the fuck respects that? I do. What are you kidding but me? But no,
1: I've never dated anybody that that was that newly sober.
0: Well, you get them right at the moment where it's like the obsession has been lifted. How about a new no, one? I know no. My
1: thing is I always get them before they know they need it. Like, oh. I'm always the one that says, you know what? Maybe you, yeah. You got some issues. You might want to check out the room. Oh, so you do save them. Yeah. and I, But the thing is, the thing, it's like I don't recognize it in the beginning. I what? honestly will think this one
0: is. He can just have two glasses of wine. Yeah. He's not a problem drinker.
1: Right. Hmm. And then something else comes out and i go uh and then
0: there's pee in the bed <laughs> maybe we need to talk about that.
1: again again <laughs> i'll let it happen four times the first it? time just <laughs> a crazy accident because who doesn't pee in the bed yeah once right? or twice I mean, once or twice have a couple cocktails no one rachel like my friends would be like absolutely <laughs> no one rachel that's in a, like we have the saying it's like how far are you gonna lower the bar
0: <laughs> yeah
1: so that finally, it's just dug six feet deep, and there is no bar. There's no bar anymore, and you're like, <laughs> "There's so- no." Well, good, good oh for you. Oh my God, there's a lot of hope here. There's a lot of hope. I like
0: your commitment to you still uh, honor the integrity around choosing alcoholics. That's a, that's commendable.
1: Well, it's you know the other way has just been so shaming. What do you mean? Well, to, to be like, ugh, I'm doing it again. Why not just go? Okay.
0: No, but tell me about dating normal men.
1: That's what I can tell you. Yeah, you know it's it's really.
0: It's like being on Prozac. It's, it's sort of like you it's know, like yeah, there's a, this well, you is know what? A, this but is, but is all. This, this is the thing too. Is as as I that I don't. I find that they don't
1: understand you. They don't understand hyper self aware people that, <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no. that have people deeper like... needs and can be met. Yeah, no. that's true.
1: I was listening to you. I was listening to your podcast, and you were just talking about uh, like, how why can't I just be happy about my show? Uh
0: huh.
1: For you know, yeah. I was happy about it for four hours. Yeah, and I, um. And totally relate to that. Yeah, you know, it's like
0: okay. So I had that feeling. So now I gotta wait till we start making them. Yeah, Yeah, and it's uh, It's
1: like you can't just allow yourself to really enjoy it until like your mind. Don't you when when you feel gratitude and and
0: joy? Don't you just want to cry because it's so fucking? weird? No,
1: I usually get really excited about something and feel happy, and then I get anxious. Like, oh, when's the other shoe gonna drop?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I'm I'm always waiting for another shoe. Yeah,
1: and also I don't like something that's too far in the future. Yeah, not really happening. But I've gotten really good at just staying in the day, like staying present.
0: Don't you just need a new obsession?
1: No, I used to, yeah, I used to say my obsessions migrate. And I do think if you're obsessing on something and those thoughts are not helpful, Mm -hmm. to distract yourself with something else, I wholeheartedly believe is a really healthy thing to do.
0: Sure, as long as that...
1: As long as that is positive, you know, as that is, right. as, I mean, That's the, sort of a which I consider even, though, right? I mean, right? Well, yeah, but I also think even if you're going to watch, you know, the news hmm. to get you out of, That's you know, that'll very, put that'll you know. put you in perspective. That'll put things in perspective for you, right? You know, uh, so that quickly, kind of distraction, not
0: not something like eating a two pints
1: of ice cream or no. I've already been down that road though, too. Road too though, as far as with food, you know, and eating sex. disorders and all that stuff. No, sex hasn't been a problem yet. Fingers Mm. crossed.
0: So you got one more to go. Yeah. So you did food. I did food. I did.
1: Yeah. In my 20s, that was a big, I had a, I was never hospitalized, but I did a really good round with anorexia.
0: And that was when you moved to New York. Yeah. Let's talk about the move to New York. So you you go. (laughs) This
1: is so, I'm going to have to put a block for my family. Not to Did listen you, to this. I, I'll, I'll
0: give you the option to to think it all through and then call me up and go. Can we not? Um, Can we
1: not talk about it? the fact like that the I have a penis <laughs> and a tail? <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: now, who's still? Everyone's still around. Stepdad, mom,
1: stepdad and mom still around in Ohio. Adorable.
0: Mm. Yeah, you don't have to tell them about this. Just tell them about the movies and stuff. They They won't hear it. No, I know.
1: They Do you like that? It. I whispered that.
0: Yeah. I'm like they won't. They
1: won't. They're. i got a surprise. This is for way you. too hip for them. They're here. What? <laughs>
0: So, okay, so you leave- um, So I leave New York. But you're not- Oh, I leave Ohio. When did you start al Oh
1: my goodness. Uh, I think I could say this. This would actually be- No, no, I'd be breaking somebody's anonymity. Um, But after you left? I mean like- No, not until- I went to New York. Could not get anyone to hire me. You went as an actress? Yes, I went as an actress. I worked in every restaurant. After
0: college? After college. And you did an arts degree?
1: I did, yeah, Bachelor of Fine Arts in theater and music. So I you, were, sing you were a singer. Well. I sang, I sing, but I don't, I don't talk about the singing part anymore. But you're all full like, of Like, I don't the, want to be known as a singer.
0: You're all full of the juice. Like, so i come here. No. Oh.
1: oh, I was ready. And then I saw a Broadway show. I saw Jerome's, Jerome Brob, Jerome Robbins Broadway. I was like, I, there's no fucking way I can do that. The, the way singing. they dance and sing. I was like, but I'm de- not but that tell good. Me, but tell Honest me. to God, I was you, like, I'm not that good. In
0: some of the downtimes you did think about putting together a cabaret apps.
1: I d- Oh, I did a cabaret act when I was in college. <laughs> And it was all on. Guess what? What love? Oh, different kinds of love. Mm. And I sang one of the songs from Beaches, from uh, The Wind Beneath My Wings. So I moved. So then I have an agent that says, "I'm going to open up a store in in Los Angeles. Why don't you come out there? Because I think you'd work a lot in television and commercials." Mm-hmm. And so I said, "Great, let's try it." And my family was like, "Great." because I knew nothing was happening in New York. Right. So my parents were super behind it. Right. So I fly I you know, go to Los Angeles. Yeah. I'm there in ninety three. I come just before the big earthquake. Right. Of ninety four. I
0: was I was in town for that. Yeah. Yeah. That was a big one. That
1: was a big one.
0: So you got there right in time and somehow it was about you, right? <laughs>
1: no. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God I'm not Look that narcissistic. Yeah. No.
0: So you get here, the earth shakes The earth shakes. I feel like
1: it's something (laughs) out (laughs) of Dr. Like I said, earthquakes. Very familiar. Mm -hmm. Um and uh, and I love it. And I start auditioning for commercials and things like that. And I start to book commercials. Then I started the groundlings. I went to a groundling show. I was doing terrible theater like the Tamarind, which is now U C B. Yeah. I mean some of the worst theater ever to grace the stage.
0: Serious theater.
1: Serious theater. Sure. I did a I did a um, a play with Ron Glass, remember mm-hmm. Harris from mm-hmm. yeah sure Barney Miller yeah, which was really good and I really cried my eyeballs my eyeballs out in that for and,
0: audiences of nine.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, it was a ninety nine seat theater, but mm-hmm. we we were pretty packed. Like we oh, had yeah. Sean Weatherly was in it, uh-huh. who was Miss America something or other. I don't know, um, but she was so nice and funny, and she's the one who actually took me to my commercial agent. She said, I think you'd. You know, you need. So, had I not done that play at the, tam, at the terrible Tamarind Theater, and Sean Motherly like, literally drove me to her commercial agent's office and they said, Yes, we'll sign you, that never would have happened. And so, you did a
0: few commercials, so you started making money.
1: I started making money, and then I went to the groundlings and I was like, Oh my good golly, what am I seeing?
0: Who's in the cast?
1: It was Will Farrell, Chris Catan, um, Chris Parnell. Sherry O'Terry, like all of those wow. heavy, and this is all before they went to SNL, right. obviously. Right, and they were. It was on. Like I just remember seeing it and going, "Oh my god!"
0: Just saying, saying those names, I am like, "Holy shit!" What could that have been?
1: Yeah, no, it was crazy. Uh, there was a sketch between Will and uh, Will Ferrell and Chris Kattan that I will never forget, where there are two priests and they're playing checkers. Just they're just sitting there playing checkers, and Chris Kattan says, "You know what? I am gonna I am gonna put on some music," and Will's like that's a good idea. Puts on this music. It's this totally erotic, like, fuck me music. Like, it's like, like, super strong bass. And they're just playing checkers and they're just looking at each other and they just keep staring at each other like, it's a really good song. (laughs) It's a really, really good song. And just that, that could have gone on for two hours for me. (laughs) And I was just cracking up. Like, because the people that, I don't, I don't do a lot of this, but, that kind of comedy specifically with the sketch that was just so subtle and so dry. And Will Forte did a lot of that too, where he would just do the spelling bee and he would just say, they they give him a word and then he would just, he would get it wrong and they kept telling him it was wrong, but he wouldn't stop right. giving spelling. out letters.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> and that kind of thing literally <laughs> made me pee my pants yeah. and just the absurdity of it. So, it- so I fell in love with them. Like that was, you know, Yeah, the groundlings probably is like an alcoholic,
0: right? Sure, one just the whole building, the
1: whole place. Yeah, yeah. yeah, It's you just want you just want to please it. Yeah, you're like, oh, please love me. Well, that's sort of like SNL too, I think. Oh yeah, I think I would have done. I didn't. I never had to audition for SNL, but I have so many friends that are like, you would not have done well in that environment. Like it would have been too competitive. Yeah, and then also I just at that point in my life I think I would have taken everything. So crazily, personally, mm-hmm. like I would have been that person that they were like, "Oh, she's upset again."
0: So the groundlings right. was a little more supportive, had a little more give to it. Well,
1: I I just think and you how that work? You got it. in, you audition, you audition, and- but you you start taking classes, right? And then you get into a writing lab, and then you go into the advanced level where you're like, where you're just putting up a show, uh-huh. like one show every six months, and then um, they vote on you, and then you get into the Sunday Company. You know, uh-huh. which is like the rookie team, they perform right. every Sunday night and the groundlings come and they have to see a certain amount of shows. Right. And then they vote on you to get into the main company. But you're performing by the time you get into the Sunday company. And you, but the amount of work you have to do for a six month period is you're writing every week and you try to, it, you know, it's a numbers game. Like you just try to get as much material as you can into that show. Right. And then hone it with your director. Right. And it's the best, I think thing for you to get used to getting up on stage, and I'm sure this is the way it is for a lot of stand-ups. Except you're alone. To, to just get up on right. stage and fail, mm-hmm. and go, oh, well, that that didn't work. Okay, so, oh, well, I know. It's not life or death. Right, Yeah, and you just get used to, get, you get really comfortable right. um, being comfortable Who are on your stage. people, who
0: are you in your crew?
1: In my crew, I was so lucky, because I had Jim Rash, who, Annette Faxon, I don't know if you know them, but they wrote The Descendants, they just won.
0: Community, he's on Jim Rash's, yeah.
1: Oh my God, have you talked to him? No. He'd be so fun for you to talk to. Um, but Jim Rash, Nat Faxon, Melissa McCarthy, Maya Rudolph, um, Will Forte, Cheryl Hines, who is my best friend, one of my best friends to this day, mm-hmm. uh, Carrie Aisley, Kristen Susson, oh, Annie Mumolo, and Kristen Wiig, they were all in The Sunday Company right after me. Um, and so... Uh, and other people that you wouldn't know that right. are geniuses that sure. are geniuses, like Damon Jones mm-hmm. and Jordan Black. Oh, my God. Jordan Black's been on community and is a phenomenal writer. And then I but the people that I worked with, like Michael Hitchcock, were my teachers and Mike right. McDonald, right. who was on Mad TV for a long time, who now is like a showrunner of he was on Cougar town and like all of these really great people with a fantastic work that, work ethic that, it was not you know, like people always say, Oh, it's competitive and they don't let women in. That was never the case for us at the groundlings. It was always just like funny. Whatever's funny wins. right. So I'd never felt like I never felt like a woman at at the groundlings. Just I funny. felt like a groundling, right. honestly,
0: I, I, I I've talked to other people about sketch in general, that you know this sort of experience you get at constructing bits and writing with other people and you know learning how to be part of an ensemble and yeah. trust each other. I mean, it's much different uh, than stand up. And it's a great thing cuz it Cause really so prepares isolating. you yeah. but it prepares you for bi- the business
1: collaborating. Sure. Well, that's the thing is and I just did this pilot with M- Melissa McCarthy and Ben Falcone. Ben, oh, I can't believe I didn't say Ben in that list. Yeah. Ben is her husband. And I've written some of the worst sketches of my life with Ben Falcone. Yeah. To this where we still every time we see each other well, not every time because I say them a lot, but like every now and then, we'll just be like, "Do you believe that we put that up on a stage and people paid <laughs> like what would that be? to see it?" Well, we did a spoof of, of course, "Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Wow! And we thought, and I thought this is going to be hilarious How'd if spoof we spoof it? this. We I, it just was like two lights shining on us at the top, where it was like Edward Albee presents uh, Pop Goes the Easel about our son who's a artist and we're upset that he doesn't drink. Yeah, Like it's so it's fucking, it was so dumb. And we just screamed throughout it. And by the end, the audience didn't know what was happening. And Ben and I, the thing was that, I don't know if this happens to you, but we, I have so much fun when things go badly on stage.
0: It's, yeah, it's its own kind of
1: it's, Oh, but we were laughing so hard because, and then the audience, nobody thought it, it wasn't like Carol Burnett where people laugh because the They're performers are laughing. They, just, they were like, you fucking idiots."
0: Well, no, that that's where you're sort of like it's it's a type of loneliness yeah. that that <laughs> that people who don't perform can't really understand that. Yeah. Like, it's like we are owning this stage, right? <laughs> We're the only it's ones. Like I abo- just
1: took a t- major dump. Yeah, and I'm sitting in it, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, and I don't need to get out.
0: <laughs> yeah, and look at these people looking at us.
1: Yes, but we oh, but at any rate, so when you've experienced that kind of stuff with yeah. people. To get to to get then get paid to do a network sitcom with them where Melissa's the executive producer and giving us notes and Ben's the star of it and I have a part in it and Damon Jones has a part in it and Andrea Martin who came from you know second sure. you know, from yeah SCTV where we all kind of used to that kind of collaborating going oh 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 this would be funny here and not taking it like wait you can't tell me what to right. do right but going oh fuck yeah or I'll try that. Or then going, oh, okay, I can't do it. Just tell me how to say it. Like, give me a line reading. Like, because you all just collectively want it to be funny was so great. And I think that only comes from being in that Groundlings What's company. What's the status for like, of that pilot? The, I think the network saw it last week. So we will find out at the beginning of May if it gets picked up or not. Oh, that's but
0: exciting. CBS
1: doesn't have a lot of slots this year. Uh-huh. Like, uh
0: but you're happy with it? You like the way it looked and it was funny? I
1: haven't seen it yet. But, oh, you haven't seen but it? But shooting it was one of the best experiences. It's the, it's that thing that I've always, when you like write out, you know, what you want, you know, for me, I was always, my thing is I want to work with people that I trust and that I completely respect that I can completely be myself with that um, on a really funny show where it's more an ensemble. I don't, you know, I I am more comfortable being a supporting player.
0: Well, how'd, you, how'd The Daily Show come about?
1: Well, The Daily Show came about because my agent uh, said, they're looking for people on The Daily Show. I think you'd be a good fit for this. Um, and then of course, this was when Steve was still on the show, Steve Carell and, oh my God, Steve Colbert, and um, Stephen Colbert, and um, they were looking for a female. And Ed Helms and Rob Corddry had just gotten hired, and then I auditioned. And the th- you know the great thing about it, Mark, is that I didn't realize what I was auditioning for. I right. did not realize how fantastic it was. Right. Like I just thought, oh, it's this cable show. I didn't really know much about it. I wasn't really paying attention to politics back then. Right. And so I just went in and did my thing. And they were like, okay, they're going to fly de- fly in New York to meet with John and and to audition there and what i didn't realize i had the balls in my audition for the daily show because i come from an improv background right to take what they gave me right and then totally made it my own so these are daily show writers like the best writers on the, some that of the type best of writers, television yeah oh my god and i <laughs> literally rewrote chunks And made it personal, like made personal attacks toward John, like in the thing, like I found out personal things about him and then did that and which could have gone horribly wrong. But, um, I just was so, I had no idea what I was, I didn't realize what I was, that I was being perhaps disrespectful or anything. And Uh so, um, so I remember John after the audition, he just was like, okay, he's like, I want you to do it again. He's like, stop saying, okay because I say okay all the time. Like I yeah. go, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. And then, um, and he's like, and don't call me a dirty kike. And I said, I said, I don't think I called you a dirty kike. I think I called you a kike. I didn't call him a kike in the piece at all or yeah. anything like But But it was like he was being so self-deprecating. And then I got to just joke back with him. So so he said, great. And uh, I did it again and um, left. And I remember, it's that thing sometimes when you don't realize like, I remember walking out and seeing these women that were like bug eyed and like really dressed like for the part. And I wasn't. I was not dressed like that. I yeah. I was just doing an audition. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like I. And so only when I walked out and I saw how these I was like, holy shit! Maybe I didn't take this.
0: Right, you didn't. You didn't have any. It wasn't. Uh, you had no sense of of what you were really going in.
1: Right. For. It wasn't like it wasn't as if I was auditioning to be to do the remake of Broadcast News it was News just with, another audition right. like if I if I had audition for Broadcast News right. back in the day
0: right? oh my god right. lost my mind
1: so, I would have lost my freaking mind because so that kind of movie that kind of character mm-hmm. is would have is would have been that for
0: right me. so what so what happened
1: so then I got a call and they said you're gonna do it you're hired and I was married I was getting married at yeah. the time yeah so I came back I did the show and then my my uh, ex husband, husband at the time, really didn't want to move to New York. And I was married. I was getting married. So we compromised. Yeah. And I did not do the show. I left after like six, seven months.
0: Really? Yeah. Because of hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: how that resentment built.
1: That that was okay because I was really cognizant of that choice. I I mean it haunts me to this day, but things have thank God have worked out kind of okay. Yeah, but I will always regret
0: not putting your career first
1: in that in that situation. Yeah, yeah a good like time kind of working, working on something that show? else. I mean, I didn't want to leave. I, I had the best time working on that show. I mean, I had so much fun with Ed Helms and and the field producers. Yeah. On that show. And the writers, they're just everybody's just so it's great to be working with people that really love what they're doing.
0: And it's funny and they know that and they have a machine in place. Right. Yeah. But
1: it, this was still kind of in the beginning, you know. I remember what Was it 2000, I was and... 2000 it was two thousand one when I got oh, okay. the job. It was like yeah. October. Right. We went to war. I was flying to do a field piece like in Washington D.C. when we went to, when the United States right. went to war. wow! And I remember my husband flipping out and just thinking, I can't believe you're on a plane. This is after 9-11, yeah. like after everything. And he right. was like, he's like, I don't think I can handle you flying all over the United States right now. Like it was just a different time, you know, we didn't.
0: Sure, what was his
1: job? Uh, actor, uh-huh. writer, mm-hmm. really, really, really good actor. Really so, okay, so you
0: come back here, and how'd you get in with um, Christopher Guest and that crew?
1: That was from being in the Sunday show. Like, I'd actually done Best in Show, yeah. I was in the Groundlings at the Sunday show. Unbeknownst to me, Chris and Eugene and Karen Murphy, right, their executive producer, came to see a show because they were looking for talent for, at that time, a, a film called Dog Show. Mm-hmm. And again, thank God, I didn't know that they were in the audience, thank God. I did not know. And then I found out afterward. And then I got a call the next day saying, Christopher Guest and Eugene Levy would like to meet you. And I thought it was a prank from somebody at the Groundlings. And I said, fuck off. And they said, we are serious. (laughs) 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 Yes. And I said, I am so sorry. I thought it was a joke. Like that's how crazy I thought it was. Right. Because I had seen, true story, I had seen Waiting for Guffman at the Beverly Center Theater in the Beverly Center. You know, in that yeah. like literally on a screen about as big as your monitor. Right. And I was with a friend, and I remember saying to her after the movie was over, if there was one director that I ever get to work with in my lifetime, I hope it's Christopher Guest. And then like a year later, he's at the Sunday show, and then I meet him, it was almost like too big. Yeah. Like it was too much. Well for he's me.
0: like an improviser's dream, I think.
1: Oh spinal tap. Yeah. And eleven? Yeah. You know, like just all of that. And then, then he's so nice and so shy. And I wanted him to like me so bad. Yeah. And he's very um he's not on. He's not a man that needs to be on. You know, he's very comfortable like i would try to joke with him i like, could be like he, like he called me once from vancouver when they before i went up to shoot dog uh, best in show uh, or because we shot it here in la before they came down but he's i he was talking to me about the character and what i was going to do and i'd heard it was pouring down rain up there you know it's always raining in vancouver yeah and i said wow you get enough rain up there you yeah. <laughs> like i was so nervous to talk to him on the phone he said yes rachel it is actually <laughs> raining a lot it's been difficult to shoot around it and i shit came out of my pants at that point and i thought he hates me cause right cuz i'm trying way too hard yeah already he's grossed out by me right and um and then you know then i remember years later years later after yeah. obsessing about Christopher Guest and right. how much he hated me yeah um michael hitchcock saying to me no no rachel again the room ru- <laughs> it's like the universe does not revolve around you uh-huh. it's, it's not about you right you know he's he's like that with everyone he's just I find him, he seems incredibly shy to me.
0: And you, and it was fun to work with him and he gave you, like what's his directing style?
1: He doesn't direct you. He just says go. He may say, say that one bit again. Yeah. Because you're improvising everything. Right. But he believes if he hires you, he hired you for a reason. Right. Do what you do. Yeah. But it's really scary for people that are used to getting direction and being over directed and you know, to When you, at first it's really strange because you're like, what? Yeah. You trust me just to do what I do? And then when you're constantly looking for validation from someone, the reality is is he's already given it to you. Just do it.
0: Right. So when did you know that you had a thing that you do? I mean, was there... I think it was...
1: Because you do a thing. I don't, but I know, but I don't think I... Yeah, I, I mean, I can do that thing. Like the... Overwrought person, right? Trying too hard,
0: but that was sort of. W- would you say that that was your comedic voice at a time like that? You sort of evolved into knowing that because you know what? how you get laughs.
1: Yeah, but I know. But also, it's with. But I'm also extremely dry, and that came naturally. Right. That I've always been that way. Right. My whole life, just fantastic. Yeah. You know, like, and when when everything's going crazy, I'll be like, awesome. Yeah. You know what I mean? like, yeah, yeah. and that that wasn't that wasn't a, an affectation or trying to no be no no funny, I, right? i'm, I'm like not
0: that. saying it was but there's a moment yeah. as you know when you made the shift to do funny yeah that you knew what you how you sort of fit into things
1: yeah yeah i think
0: like your choice to attack john stewart did not right i, I mean that's that's a comedic choice right right and and i yeah had to, and, and i think it's that,
1: aggressive i was being aggressive aggressive yeah yeah um Gosh, I don't know. I don't know if I'm really cognizant of when I knew no, I, I that was I a thing, but I think it just evolved yeah. over time. At the Groundlings, I just knew that when I got angry on stage, people loved it. Oh my god! And when I swore,
0: yeah, that was it. But
1: also, that was very liberating too, because I was not. We were not allowed to swear. I wasn't even allowed to say fart yeah. when I was a kid. You know, it was It was.
0: You were denied fart. Yeah. Wow. Or
1: suck. I couldn't say suck. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah.
0: No. Ooh, we no got in go. big trouble for that. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, And so, and to this day, my dad, like I said something like, I can't fucking believe we won South by Southwest. Yeah. On my Facebook page, my parents, my, how could I say no to my parents on Facebook? Right. They're like, what are you hiding? You know, so, so to this day, my I said, this is amazing. I won like a crazy, blah, blah. You know, which... It's tough for us, I think, as as entertainment people to say, Hey, right. I'm happy that I got this right. thing. Right. It's you're supposed to be, you know, shut it down and be humble and but it's like, no, you gotta fucking celebrate it. You have to say, Yes, I got this thing. I'm so excited. How about it? Yeah. And so I said this. I said, I'm so fucking excited and my dad wrote in the comment section, Really, Rachel? <laughs> Language. <laughs> and then my stepsister. Kelly, who's awesome, uh-huh. wrote, dad, give me a fucking break. Let her say fuck, you know, whatever. She just won this thing. Like, it was yeah. very funny. And then he wrote back, like, oh, I'm so, like, like, but he's my dad. Yeah, you know and I mean? And that's actually, my stepdad's always been that way. Like, I'm so grateful that I have that man in my life that's like, this boy's not good enough to date you, you know, like, you know, or this is, you don't behave that, that way. That? Oh, yeah. Oh, about yeah. About all of them. No, not about all of them. <laughs> No, but he definitely has, you know, he's, he's, it's, he, um, you know, he cares and I'm, I'm glad. Like there's some part of me that kind of likes it when he gives me a hard time about swearing.
0: Yeah. No, of course. Yeah. It's, 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 it's sweet. like
1: dogs with, we like dogs need to know that you're in control.
0: And he's right. You shouldn't I
1: know. Be I shouldn't swear. <laughs> All
0: right. So let's do, let's talk about this South by Southwest thing. Oh yeah. Natural selection. Yeah. Which I saw the extended trailer of. <laughs>
1: which gives you everything you need to know.
0: I think it does, except for the one big part missing, but I kind of figured it out, but we don't need to talk about that.
1: What part? Well, you.
0: What do you mean? Something happens.
1: Yeah, with me and, and Raymond?
0: Yeah. So it's about it's a, a woman scene. who is in...
1: It's about a woman who is in her early 40s. Um, she has been married to the same man for 25 years. She met him when she was probably 15. Mm-hmm. When they met uh, some... Stuff went down that like, rendered her unable to have children. Okay. He married her, um, but said, but then because of their religious beliefs, was like, because you're unable to have children, um, sex is a sin. If you cannot produce offspring, the act itself Why is, a, is a sin. Right. So th- she's been in a sexless marriage for 25 years. Awful. Right. But because it's God, all she's ever have, known.
0: You must have been really able to amp up that control freak thing. Oh
1: yeah. Well shove yeah. It up,
0: just stuff it all down.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah just well, yeah. Because yeah. also she's but it but the other thing too is that with Linda, the character that it plays, she doesn't really she doesn't realize she's stuffing anything down. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? She's just like she's never but, but I mean she that's feels what starts it. happening though, is that is as she's starting to get she's starting to want to be with her husband and she's feeling guilty because she wants to have sex with her husband. Right. And he's like, We have to pray it away you know, and she's going through this kind of She's having these thoughts and starting to question, you know, what's going on with her, and then Abe has a stroke. Be- the uh, husband, right? He has a stroke. He's donating sperm to a sperm bank. He's jacking off to porn, and has a stroke. And she goes to see him in the hospital.
0: So he was d- that he was doing that just so he could jerk off.
1: No, he was doing that for his legacy. I'm sure that it was some way for him to have a release. Yeah. As well as, yeah, he wanted to jerk off and also he wanted to continue his legacy. Right. You know, he wanted to have children. Right. So he has a stroke. She doesn't, she goes to the hospital to see him. He doesn't have a wedding ring on. She doesn't understand where's his wedding ring. And they say he probably left at the clinic. And she's like, what clinic? She goes back and she finds out that he's been donating sperm for the past 25 years. And she knows he's fathered children all over. And so she's, instead of being mad at him and thinking how fucking dare you, she says... Well, I was inadequate. I drove him to do this. Obviously, he wants to have a child. And she's so, so she thinks, I'm going to go find one of his children. Right. So she starts on this road trip to find Raymond, Matt O'Leary. She finds him. And then it's basically the journey as she, she brings him from Florida back to Texas to meet Abe as his dying wish. It was his dying wish? Well, she's made that. that. She's decided that.
0: Right. He has to meet one of his children. Exactly. Because you couldn't give
1: Because him. obviously that's why he was doing this.
0: Right. Now this is the most, I mean, in terms of the type of film it is, the most serious acting you've done.
1: Yeah. Yeah. On camera. On camera. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And the challenge of that was what for you? I mean.
1: Well, the challenge of it for me was that just to be vulnerable where she feels like, again, she's. You know, she trusted him for 25 years and then he let her down and further that realization to come into play. That for her, I think first she has that the feeling of complete and utter inadequacy, and that's just a horrible feeling.
0: So, to like where you would where the impulse to be funny would be to protect that or hide that
1: mm-hmm.
0: reality, you had to go into it.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. But I wanted to, because I, again, I was coming out of my divorce, which the aloneness of coming into the house, and he had, you know, I've used it so many times, but it's just the perfect example of when I moved back into my house after he had moved out. Empty closets, pictures off the walls. It's just a complete loss. Oh, it's horrendous. And the only way you can deal with it is just to feel it and to go, this is awful. And what have I done? And it brings up all of these questions, you know. And so, when she's faced with being alone for the first time, you know, um, my husband was such an emotional support for me. You know, such a great guy that not having that there was horrifying, you know. And to like walk through it, yeah, is is tough. And so that aspect of her going back and the character now. dealing yeah the character for Linda when she's faced with oh my god i'm going to be alone for the first time in my life and i have no idea what i'm going to do or that i can compl- that's what i completely tapped into
0: so it's good timing
1: it's really good timing
0: Oh uh, well i'm glad you're uh, you're happy and things are going so well yeah and i'm looking forward to seeing the movie that i should have seen before i talked to you
1: it's okay you'll see it now i don't no, think we anymore.
0: had a problem having a conversation <laughs>
1: No. I know. Had, this was crazy easy.
0: Wild, right? Okay. So
1: But I knew it. I knew i when I'd listened to your podcast, I was like, oh.
0: It'll be fine. Rachel Harris, the name of the movie. I never do this either. Uh, is uh natural selection.
1: Yeah. And it's in Los Angeles at the New Art, May eighteenth.
0: I'll i t- I'll try to Because who edits
1: you. this? Good lord. I know, I got do a friend. Do you do it?
0: No, I got a friend who does it. You got a friend? And my partner. <laughs> that yeah. sounded like Yeah, no I got a guy. <laughs> I know a guy. I know a guy. Like, wait. No, he'll he'll do good. He'll be good.
1: Are they going to take parts of this and do shit with it? Yeah, they
0: usually put a dance mix under this kind of interview. All right, I'll talk to you later. Okay, good. That's our show. I hope you enjoyed that. That was uh, that was a little too connected. That was uh, that was more connected than I thought. I had a great time talking to her. Uh, I think she's very talented and very funny. I hope you enjoyed that. As always, go to WTFPod.com if you want to kick in a few shekels, if you'd like to uh, get the app, if you'd like to get on the mailing list, which I encourage because I do write a, a little email every week. Uh, we got some new merch coming out soon. If you want to get the new first 100 episodes on DVD with the additional video footage, you can do that. i uh, got no dates to plug, so don't bust my balls about that. I'm taking a couple weeks, going to a bot Mitzvah next week, and that's that's how that goes. Have we got enough? Did we do enough? Did, it, did I... Should should I say more? Boomy! Boomer! Ugh, there's too many strays around, man. He's freaking out. Fuck. And he, I gotta give him diet food. Because he's fat. But he got his meow back. So that's good. All right. Just trailing off here.